everybody. My name's Dave Jackson, and this is Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where I bring in guests to talk about the games we play. My guest today is Nave, who is a friend of the show, a possible robot in human skin, and co-host of the Gaming Together podcast. What's up, dude? How's it going, man? Good to have you on the show. We've we've chatted a little bit before, and it's good to talk to you. Heck yeah, man. I've been trying to get you on the show, too. It's really hard with all of these there's so many different like interweaving schedules going on at this point. It's crazy. Yeah, for sure. And we're we I, I assume we're in like completely opposite time zones too. Like I'm I'm over in Asia on Asian time, so like it's it's the middle of the afternoon right now and who go, it's God knows what time it is for you right now. So that was the scariest thing because uh whenever I picked this time slot, I didn't look at the AM. So when you sent me the Zencaster link, I was like, dang, he did that really early. And then I looked at the time and I saw that 12 a.m. was in like three minutes. And I was like, oh, a.m., p.m., okay, I better get out of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> better get out of this game. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. I wasn't like playing Siege or something. Yeah, well, uh, it's good to have you on the show anyway. And like I said, you're one of the two co-hosts of the Gaming Together podcast. So before we get into talking about our game for today why don't you just tell my listeners what is gaming together all about well uh i am the eclectic crazy person half of our podcast we play co-op games we review them we kind of talk crap about them we really just ramble for about 40 minutes before we even get into the games um i'm sorry because in case your listeners aren't used to the rambling because i will just go off on tangents an accident and i won't even know that that's kind of <laughs> i'm like a, a perpetual penny on the railroad tracks i've heard from a friend so <laughs> that's what i bring to the table cool and so like if you if you've listened to my show or people listening if you've listened for like more than a few episodes you know how how much i dislike co-op gaming because of the scheduling and everything like that just trying to line up schedules and like the idea that you guys do an entire podcast of all co-op games, I'm like, props to you guys for making this work. Because like, I can I could barely play through It Takes Two, and that takes like 10 hours to play. It took me a couple months to play through that. So props to you guys. Oh, it's been a disaster the last month, actually. We, <laughs> ha- we have been butting heads because we have desperately been trying to get through Elden Ring. And then we will get to, we try to record on Sunday, and our podcast episodes come up on Friday, but we'll get to Thursday and we're like, okay, we're not going to make it. We need to play something. What can we play? World of Tanks. You know World of Tanks, right, Nave? I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll play a few <laughs> matches and I'll just carry the episode. It, and that's been the last like four episodes, unfortunately. I'm sorry for all of our listeners, but <laughs> we've been really trying to beat Elden Ring. The the bad thing about those FromSoft games is like if you're interested in progress or trophies or anything like that, you have to co-op it twice because you can do it in your buddy's mm-hmm. game and then he has to come into your game and do it too if you're interested in like actually both files beating the game. So Yeah. Um the unfortunate I, thing the good thing about this in this game is that you can respec like your character. Right. And we just went through that because my I mean, I was gonna say my friend Philip, but you know, my co host, he uh was playing more like a faith, or I don't know what he was doing. He was doing like bleed and dagger stuff, but he mm-hmm. was very squishy. And I'm just a really thick boy. All of these games, I play big shield, big weapon. I'm as thick as possible because right. I don't know how to parry and I don't know how to dodge. So that's how I compensate. But he mm-hmm. just recently switched kind of to my build because he's having such a hard time when he's the host staying alive. Right. So yeah, that's uh, ooh, 
Uh, man, I mean, I, I like the like casual drop in, drop out co-op stuff in those games. But yeah, playing through the whole game with someone else, that's a long ass game, too. Like I said, like oh, I could man. barely get through um, like Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons playing co-op like that took me and my wife like a couple weeks to play through it. Just like you want to play? No, nah, not really. OK, well, maybe tomorrow you want to play. <laughs> uh, not right now. Ah, Jesus Christ. So like props to you guys. And I enjoy listening to your show. Um, I especially loved listening to the the Pokemon Nuzlocke episode that came up somewhat recently, like at the time of recording here. I love listening to people's Nuzlocke experiences and the way that you guys made that into a co-op experience. You know, that's a single player thing. You guys kind of yeah found a way for it to be co-op. That was really, really interesting. So I uh, recommend everyone listening to the show, go check out the Gaming Together podcast. Check the show notes for links uh, for that. Today, we're going to talk about Unsighted, which is a kind of top-down, isometric Metroidvania action game. A lot of different genres being mashed up here. Developed by Studio Pixel Punk and published by Humble Games in 2021. And an elevator pitch, and this is what hooked me on this game. The elevator pitch for Unsighted is it is an action game with some Souls-like, some Zelda, some Metroidvania, and a really interesting ticking time mechanic where every character is on a timer. Every character's life is on a timer. And as soon as I heard that, with those other genres that I like, I was into this. So we can get into our kind of histories with this game. What, what made you want to play Unsighted? Um, mostly it was recommendations from other podcasters that I trust, like people who I know have very similar tastes in games as me. Um, whenever I saw what the game was, I was unfortunately, because I have a very, I have a pretty wide wedge in the games genres that I'm proficient at, but unfortunately this game falls outside of almost all of it. Um, (laughs) So I, when I watched gameplay of this game, I was like, ooh, I might be bad at this. This is why I didn't play it for so long. And whenever you brought it up, I was like, perfect. Let's, I'm just going to play this game for this uh, show, and I'm just going to do it poorly. And maybe that'll be funnier <laughs> that way, because <laughs> this game is co-op, uh, but it's only local co-op. You can't play this uh, game online okay. or anything. But uh, you can summon in like an extra character to fight with you. I actually didn't get to experience that, but... I forgot why I even brought that up, but that's an interesting tidbit. <laughs> it's a yeah. co-op game a little bit. And I didn't even know that because of my aforementioned uh, like dislike of doing co-op stuff. So good good to know everyone listening. You can play this co-op apparently. And I'm pretty sure it's like drop in, drop out. You just press the start button and then it's like press A on the second controller and they come in kind of like... Oh, sick. Yeah, even uh, better. Like Streets of Rage or whatever. Right on. Uh, for me, I... I think I I think I saw this on a couple of YouTube channels that were doing like, you know, hidden gems of 2021 or something like that, or like, you know, top five indie hidden gems you haven't played. And I, I like to watch videos like that to see new stuff. And I think it was this channel called First Five um, that did like a whole video about Unsighted. And then uh, Iron Pineapple, who's a pretty well-known uh, Souls YouTube guy, I think guy, uh, Souls YouTuber, included this in one of their like really good uh souls likes you've never heard of videos where they go through like just like the 
they go trawling at the bottom of the Steam things for all games tagged Souls-like and just play all those weird, uh, weird games. This was in there though, and um, Iron Pineapple really liked it, so I put it on my wish list, waited for a sale as I do, and it was really like I said, it was that time mechanic that really hooked me on like trying Unsighted, so gave it a shot, and I think this game is uh, sometimes very cool. And sometimes very frustrating to get into some like opening thoughts here. I went on like wild swings between being like, I fucking hate this game. And then sometimes (laughs) where I was like, this is really cool what they're doing here. It's very like, I love this idea. It's just like about half and half. I think I actually texted you, Nave, and I was like, man, I fucking hate this game. Do you want to like maybe talk about something else? But then I kind of pushed through that part that I didn't like. And uh, I ended up enjoying the ending more than I liked the middle. I actually think the beginning and the end of this game are really fun, and I really didn't like the middle section of it. So just a little opening thoughts there, and we'll talk about why. How about you? Like a little just kind of opening thoughts about Unsighted here? I was really curious what part uh, you were referring to whenever you... Because I, I played the game probably for about an hour whenever we first settled on this game. And then I put it down for like a month and a half because we scheduled right. this pretty far in advance. And mm-hmm. whenever you had messaged me that you were having trouble and then you were like, okay, I'm going to pick this game back up. It's fine. I was like, yeah. oh, maybe I should start playing this game again. Like at this point, because <laughs> um, the time <laughs> is getting closer. And I too got hysterically stuck to the point of frustration and rage quit in three different play sessions. So now I'm thinking, I wonder if we got stuck in the same place, maybe. But I, we had the same arc. The, at the beginning, I was really high. Middle, I was very aggravated. And then at the end, I was just roaming free. And we can talk about, because I'm sure you know why I... I we probably had similar reasons why we were having fun at the end, especially. But Yeah, for uh, sure. We can get into the next part if you want. Yeah. So those are some opening thoughts. And before we get into like breaking down this game, I do want to give the Tales from the Backlog spoiler policy, which is uh, we will do our best to avoid all spoilers, um, all big spoilers for the game uh, until we warn you later in the episode. So there will be a spoiler wall at some point in the episode. Check the show notes. There will be a timestamp for the spoiler wall. Listen up until then and do not worry about spoilers. We will not uh, go there yet. So let's get into Unsighted. Getting into like what makes Unsighted kind of special, and I want to start with the story setup just to give a little context for who you are and what you're doing in this game. In this game, you play as a cyborg. They call them uh, automatons in the game. I am not going to say the word automaton every single time <laughs> uh, throughout this podcast. I'm going to say cyborg or robot. Uh, your name is Alma, who wakes up in a kind of war-torn, futuristic world uh, with Amnesia. It's another amnesiac game where you're discovering your character's past. In the kind of backstory of the game, a meteor hit the Earth uh, containing uh, a big source of energy called Anima. 
uh, which the robots used to sustain their life, but humans, as greedy as we are, decided to attack the robots in order to use the anima for themselves. So the key thing for this game is if a robot runs out of anima and doesn't get any for like some period of time, they go unsighted. That's the name of the game, unsighted. Uh, and that means they kind of go feral. And they turn hostile like robot zombies or something like that. Think of it that way. So uh, more on this later, because this is the game's kind of killer mechanic, I think. You have a very Legend of Zelda quest in this game. As Alma, you need to travel to these five places to collect these meteor shards in order to forge a weapon that is strong enough to defeat these kind of alien eldritch monsters that the humans have sent uh, to kill the robots. So that's your goal. Go get these five meteor shards, learn about your past, forge this weapon so that you can kill these uh, things. I think the story in this game basically disappears throughout the middle of the game and you get a lot of cool stuff at the end, which again, we'll save for the spoiler section. That stuff at the end, I think though is very cool, but you do have to play a while while just learning about backstory um, without mm -hmm. any real satisfying story stuff, I think. And uh, I should have said earlier, this is not a long game. My playthrough took me eight hours. I assume, Nave, yours was similar. Uh, I think I actually took a picture of it and sent it to a friend. It's right here. It so yeah, you. my yeah. game. <laughs> oh yeah, I also sent it to you. It was uh, six hours and 59 minutes. So almost right on the dot of seven. Yeah, not a long game. So like when we say you have to wait a while for some satisfying story stuff, it's not, you're not waiting 40 hours for this. It's a, it's an eight hour game. So uh, Nave, without spoilers, do you, did you enjoy the, uh, the story in this game? I'm going to be honest. At first, I was like kind of open to the all of like everything that was going on. I was like, I wonder where this is going to go. But when I start to get frustrated with a game, sometimes I take it out on the entire in the entirety of the game. Uh -huh. And once I once the second play session, uh, I couldn't figure out why I was still stuck uh, and I quit. I was like, my brain just mind Jedi mind erased everything out of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since then i was kind of resentful to all of these characters that i was because i would run around just talking to people hoping maybe someone would offhandedly say something that you know kind of like how these zelda like games are like occasionally there are npcs standing around that will give you information for what you need in your quest this game does not have any of that mm -hmm. and so uh and on top of that this game has like you said a lot of uh websites we're putting this on like hidden gem lists a lot of podcasts and stuff like that are saying this is a hidden gem go play this game this game is interesting and it's very fun but since nobody is playing this game when you google where is this item in yeah. unsighted then you get zero results uh -huh. and the only thing you have are like five hour long playthroughs with 200 views and no timestamps. and so it's like uh, i don't know if i want to watch that <laughs> i i definitely did scrubs uh, scrub through some let's plays on YouTube trying to find out like how the fuck do I get into this building and you're right <laughs> I searched like you know unsighted how to enter x building and it was nothing just like like you said like some dude put up some five hour let's play and I just literally had to scrub through it until I started seeing things that didn't look familiar and then yeah mm. not 
the most fun and I totally am with you. I don't remember anything from like the middle section of this game when I was really frustrated. I don't remember what the story was saying. I think I came out of the game with a good understanding of like the backstory and stuff like that. But man, whatever happened between Meteor Shards 2 and 4, I have no fucking idea because I was real mad at the game during that time. We were stuck in the exact same place. Yep. <laughs> okay. I think, okay, <laughs> well, let's continue then. Yeah. So I, again, listen into the spoiler section. If you listen to, or if you played the game or if you don't care about spoilers, I think this game has some cool story moments at the end. Like at the very end of the game, you start getting some like, whoa, didn't see that coming. You start getting some stuff like that. But until then it's, um, yeah, kind of forgettable, I think. And there's there's some good characterization uh, and like a uh, good relationship, uh, like good character arcs. There's there's all uh, a lot of that, but towards the, in the middle of the game, like none of that is explored. So if you're looking for that, it's going to be beginning and end, uh, kind of like a reverse hamburger. If you <laughs> like the meat to the beginning <laughs> and the end. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You again, you get some cool stuff at the beginning. You get some very cool stuff at the end, and I was too frustrated to internalize anything during the middle. So let's get into kind of mechanically what makes this game stand out, starting with the time mechanic, which I talked about earlier, but like within the story of the game, if these robots go without this uh, substance called anima for too long, um, they kind of go feral or zombified. They, They call it going unsighted. And when I say every robot, I mean every robot in the game, including the main character. And I didn't test it. I didn't check on YouTube. I should have checked, like, what happens if you let yourself run out of time? Because it, I can see it being possible. There's a way to get around it. We'll talk about that in a bit. But this also extends to, like, you have a fairy uh, robot, not unlike Navi in uh, Ocarina of Time that follows you around. The fairy is uh, very, very helpful. I like the fairy a lot, but the fairy will run out of time if you don't give it uh, anima, and that goes for all the NPCs too. And so you find these um, items called meteor dust around the world, and they are very limited, and you can give uh, one to an NPC to add 25 game hours onto their clock, and 25 game hours is not that long. I would say it's about Oh, an hour of real time, like 45 minutes of real time. It's not that long. I think I think a minute is a second. So it would be every hour is 60 seconds. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. Because I definitely had uh, lots of, and you get like this contact list in the game of all your NPCs, and it will show how much <laughs> time they have remaining. And so by the end of the game, I would say two thirds of the NPCs in my game had gone unsighted because you do not get enough meteor dust to, to save everybody. And you do have to prioritize who you give it to. Cause like your merchants will go unsighted. And then suddenly there's, you know, no more upgrading your weapons. If the blacksmith goes unsighted, stuff like that. So you do have to prioritize who you give this to. And this is kind of like this, killer mechanic for this game should say there's also a mode you can turn this off if this stresses you out too much um they tell you in a message at the beginning but 
this is the intended way. And I think the game is balanced pretty well for this too. Uh, so what was your experience with this time system, Nave? Uh, so you said you, you said about two thirds of your characters went unsighted. I would say probably I'm pretty close to that as well. About about half at at least half of my characters, yeah. everyone that I had met had uh, gone nuts. And I'm like, a lot of my frustration was with this mechanic. Really? Not that okay. I thought it was bad, but mm-hmm. every moment that I was stuck and didn't know what to do, I was painfully aware, even more so than normal that oh. i was wasting time yeah you know mm-hmm. and so i'm kind of a person like like when i'm playing a competitive game and the match isn't going well in my brain i'm thinking i have to go to work in nine hours you know and i'm spending <laughs> 30 minutes in this game like that's where right. my brain goes so i have that on top of i'm about to lose my blacksmith <laughs> if i just i just need to get out of this place if i can mm-hmm. just so that um but other than that you know I thought it was really interesting, and it makes the game very existential, uh, especially if like the the implications of that. Just thinking about you have the ability to save somebody's life, but not for permanently. You know, it's a very temporary solution, and you do not have enough for everyone. It's kind of like a Walking Dead situation, you know, where you're, or or like a what is that game? The uh, ah, it's gone. I don't know where it's called anymore. But um. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very uh, interesting, and this game. So this game took eight hours for you, seven hours for me, but we both got stuck. And I'm sure that if somebody didn't get stuck, even in a first playthrough, maybe three to four hours, you're not going to lose too many people. Some people might have a different experience than we did. I think it's very cool that we had like the the same experience where we just had to watch our merchants vanish into the aether. But mm-hmm. uh, other than that, um, I did not give anyone dust. I I felt really weird about that towards the end, but I hoarded it to myself. And I I don't know what that says about me. I, I also <laughs> gave it to my Navi fairy. I didn't let my fairy right. die, which is interesting because that's the only character that's persistently with you. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if it was because I was just so attached to this character or because it was convenient. I didn't have to go anywhere to give that person dust. I could just give it to him from my inventory. Uh, I, it may be just an app. It may be just be a little bit of column A and column B. But uh, did you give other characters? You don't have to name names, but did you give any other characters the dust? Okay, yes. And this is this is something I forgot to put in the notes, and you just reminded me. There's another use for meteor dust. Um, when you start the game, you can only heal one time. It's like Dark Souls, and you have one Estus flask. And in this game. You start out with one. There's a character you can give Meteor Dust to to increase the number of times you can heal. And I did that twice. I think I ended the game with three healing uh, uses. But they take a lot of Meteor Dust. So I used you, quite you a bit reminded on that. Me of that as well. Yeah. And I gave some to the fairy. I gave some... Once I thought I was like near the end of the game, there were a couple characters. I, I was just like, you know what? You're You're cool. You can have some, but I did lose my blacksmith. Um, I did lose, there's a, a traveling merchant that goes around. I did lose them and uh, lots of R. others. P. Yeah. And the the thing too, like when a an NPC goes unsighted, they will attack you and you have to kill them. Um, if you go into like, let's say it's a shopkeeper and you go into their shop after they go unsighted, they'll attack you and you have to kill them. So that was kind of like, ooh, I... 
do- that doesn't feel good. You know, I have like this, uh, you know, oh, this combat master who's teaching me how to parry earlier in the game. And now they're unsighted and I have to kill them when I go in their building. That's not great. But um, I thought this system was really cool. And what you were describing when you're lost and you know that time is ticking and you'll start to get messages that says like your your fairy bot has, you know, 24 hours to live, uh, which again, not that long. It's like a half hour. When you're lost, you do start to feel that pressure. And this is like the opposite problem of all those open world games where like the world is ending soon, <laughs> but you're you're fucking off and, you know, fishing forever or something like that. It's the complete opposite thing in this game where you're like, there's some I like I could go explore there, but I do not have time to go do that. I need to focus on this task. And I think that's cool in a Metroidvania where you're supposed to be exploring. I'm not sure that it works as well as they want but i did like it more than i got frustrated and like there were all these times where i had these moments where it was like this this sweet old lady in the village she's going unsighted in two hours but i i just like i can't i have two meteor dusts and i i just can't give it to you i'm sorry old lady and there were a couple times like that where i was like "Ooh, i don't feel good about this but you know gotta be practical you reminded me when you mentioned the shopkeepers, I lied. I did give somebody else meteor dust and it was so at, at the point when I was frustrated and confused, I became convinced that I needed a key mm-hmm. to unlock a door that I think I might. So all of the keys, uh, it's like Zelda. When you get just a key, you get in a dungeon, you can use that key to open up a door. But in this game, you could take the keys out of the dungeon and then go somewhere else and open up a door with that same key from that you got from the dungeon. But now you don't have a key for that dungeon. So <laughs> Yeah, not great. <laughs> there's a shopkeeper that sells them for like 9,000 bucks, which is a lot yeah. in this game. It, especially, uh, it, not the end, but especially in the first two-thirds of the game, you're scrounging for money for the most part. And so... I was Googling, I was like, is there any way to get a key other than this? And the only thing I could find was if you give a shopkeeper meteor dust, it lowers their prices. And you can do that four times. And so I gave them four meteor dusts and it was like 75,000, which is still way too much. I was just like, I'm not going to be able to, (laughs) I, I, I ran around killing monsters and I got like, I killed like a whole zone of monsters and I got like 750 dollars and i'm just like i'm never going to be able to afford this yeah. everyone's gonna die <laughs> for sure it the shopkeepers will they'll all do something special for you once you give them i think like you said like three or four meteor dusts like there's a crafting system in this game you have to craft at these crafting tables if you give the crafting merchant four meteor dusts they'll give you a mobile crafting table so you can do it anywhere um, including in the middle of boss fights, which was handy. So I'm glad I did give them some meteor fight, uh, meteor dust. Oh, one more thing about the time system. There is an NPC. It's kind of hidden. And I'm not sure if the game will direct you to them or not, because I found it before I got like a notice from the game about it. But you, there's a, an NPC that will kill another NPC and give you that NPC's time. So like, because your main character has a ticking clock and you 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 will get to a point where it's like your main character has 100 hours to live, which is, again, not that long. 
So there's an NPC you can meet where he he will give you the list of other NPCs in the game and say like, choose one, I'll go kill them and I will give you their time. So like I did that one time and I felt horrible. Like I picked someone who doesn't sell anything, someone who is, you know, functionally useless to me as a person. (laughs) And I was like, this person has 300 hours left go kill them. I want that time. And then I didn't have to worry about time for Alma for the rest of the game. But I felt real bad about that. And uh, my fairy friend kind of gave me some shit like, hey, what happened in there? And Alma's like, I don't want to talk about it. So that's really interesting because I did get at some point, I don't know how what procked it, but I did get a little mission pip that said, it was like, hey, I heard you need help with your time situation. I have a solution for that. And it right. gave me a little map marker. But I, ne- I never went to it because I was like, well, I have like 18 meteor dust because I'm only giving it to myself. Right. <laughs> so I mean, like I wasn't worried about it. At that point, I, did, I didn't know about the extra syringes you can get, which is interesting, too, because that's, that's some really morally gray shit, like assassinating people and taking their yeah. their time on this earth that's really interesting yeah i wish i would have actually experienced that um they the character that gives you syringes i don't remember what's going on with her because like i said i kind of jedi mind tricked myself to forgetting everything but um i i vaguely remember that this character is kind of exiled from the rest of the communities this character's off on her own like away from everyone and when you enter her house there's, there's like a bunch of really weird sciencey vats there's a lot of woo woo going on in there and it's like it's implied that the way that she's giving you the, the these extra syringes is like unethical in some way yeah like i can't remember i don't know if it's unethical because you're giving her a bunch of meteor dust that could be saving people just for the personal gain of healing yourself a little more mm-hmm. i'm not sure if that's it or if yeah. that's the implication i'm not but sure either that's an interest there's a lot of like moral ambiguity and especially in a game where you like we said can save people's lives and m- for the most part you're choosing not to do that yeah there's there's a lot of times where it's like you're right it is kind of like a, a kind of post-apocalyptic kind of trope where like someone has supplies that could save another person's life but they're like sorry i can't like i or like you when you're like i Man, you have 18 of these meteor dust, just like give me one. And you're like, nah, sorry, no can do. Well, in my head, I was rationalizing it like, I'm gonna save the world, man. I need the I need this. I don't know what I'm going to fight up there. I didn't know if I was ever gonna need like you sacrifice some meteor dust to open a door to do something else. I which never well, I guess that's just kind of a swoop, but it never really comes up. But yeah. So that's the time system. Again, I think it's cool. It's a very cool idea. Um, I've never really like come across something like this in another game that I've played, um, especially not one where like your main character can run out of time or like your companion fairy can run out of time and stuff like that. So it's cool. I think this works. Um, and this would be, this is the thing that hooked me on the game. And it's the thing that I will say like, I think this works if you're interested in this game. Like, this is the reason you should try this over some other kind of, you know, Zelda-like, Metroidvania-like, something like. I think this does make this game stand out pretty well. It's cool. The time mechanic made me think of, uh, this might be kind of silly, but uh, there's this arcade game called Gauntlet Legends Mm -hmm. where your health is always ticking down, and it's just a reason to make you have to 
put more quarters in so that even if you're doing really well, you still have to put quarters in because you're going to die eventually. Right. But that was because everyone's just constantly dying, starving to death. And I that ever since I was a child, I've always I always think about that all the time. Mm. Every time I'm hungry, I think about warrior needs food badly. <laughs> so can't help it. Yeah. So this is a uh, kind of Metroidvania Zelda mashup in like the way that the world is designed and stuff like that. And like your kind of progression through the game, you get in each temple, like not unlike a Zelda game or like, oh, it's either in each temple or like leading up to each dungeon. There are five of them. You'll get some kind of upgrade. Like, uh, I mean, there is actually a hook shot in this game. It's called a hook shot, too. So, you know, wearing their influences on their sleeve here. Uh, you'll also find stuff like uh, ways to cross uh, water and just other upgrades uh, to help you get around. Uh, you eventually get a double hook shot and stuff like that. And so this is like your, it's very Zelda-like when you're inside of these dungeons. You're basically solving puzzles in each room for either how to get across the room or you'll get like a kind of combat wave challenge uh, in order to get, you know, a key or some other kind of treasure. And then there's a boss at the end of each uh, temple. So, uh, oh, also, you know, Zelda influences, you do get that fairy bot. Uh, the fairy bot is cool. It's actually good. It's not annoying like the ones in the uh, the N64 Zelda games, um, I think. Uh, and you can also get a dog. Um, I named my dog Rookie. Oh, my God. Because uh, my real dog's name is Rookie. And uh, the dog is very helpful. And super fucking annoying uh, because the dog yes. will pester you to take naps and taking a nap means losing time. So eventually my dog got sick of me and I have a screenshot where I tried to go like interact with the dog and it says rookie doesn't like you anymore. And I was like, oh shit, that's my <laughs> dog. Uh, and then he ran away uh, after that. He said, fuck you, Dave, I'm out. And uh yeah, so you're going through these things. You've got your fairy bot. Maybe you've got a dog and solving puzzles and stuff like that. So how do you feel this works as a kind of, um, you know, it feels very Zelda to me. How do you feel about it? I was also getting the Zelda vibes. Uh, you brought up the hook shot, but you also have like a, you have the stand in for the boomerang, which is the, what is it? The shork the shuriken. Yeah. You have, so the ice grenades, which make platforms. You have the uh bombs which can open up doors later on you get the spinner which uh can also destroy rocks it also helps you traverse on rails mm -hmm. kind of like uh tony hawk yeah <laughs> i was thinking of sonic i didn't want to mention sonic adventure but i mean i already did now so but um the dog is amazing for the for the first few hours you have to feed it and you have to take naps losing that time is pretty significant but at the beginning that dog actually fights with you which i thought was very awesome yeah and once you get your fairy robot to four hearts your fairy also fights with you so you get a significant dps boost to the point where you and also you don't even have to do anything they just kind of fight uh autonomously mm -hmm. if you will <laughs> no <Yeah>. pun intended <laughs> but um they uh they're pretty cool until you become way stronger than them and they're no longer needed my dog also ran away i named it scrap uh, what kind of dog did you find? Because I found like a Shiba, I think it was. Yeah, I think the first one I found was like a, a Shiba or something like that. And that one I named Rookie. He got mad at me and ran away. 
And then I found a poodle later in the game. And the poodle, I named Rookie 2, and he stayed with me until the end of the game. I did not... uh, I heard dogs whining, but I never went and searched for them. For the most part, I was ready to get done with this game until a certain point in which I decided to play a whole lot. But... um. So I just I just stopped with all of the side content. Once my dog ran away, I was already at the point where I was way too strong for it anyway. So I wasn't really missing the the DPS and the time hit. It that time hit was significant towards losing half of the NPCs in the whole game. Right. That dog wanted to sleep all the time. Yeah, because you get like these, you know, on your list it'll say like these NPCs have twenty four hours to live. And your dog wants to take a nap. And I think a nap takes like three hours or something like that. And you're yeah. like, man, we can't take a nap right now. Like, shut up. Like, this person is going to die. You, <laughs> We cannot take a nap. And the dog is like, all right, fuck you then. I'm, I'm out. And he left. And then you can go like see the dog later in the game. And I try to pet it and stuff. And it was like, Rookie does not like you. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Rookie's holding a grudge because I wouldn't let him take a nap in the middle of a dungeon. Yeah, in the middle of some battles. <laughs> Luckily, he never pesters you during fights, but yeah. the moment the fight's over, he's wanting an apple. It's like, yeah. okay, calm down. <laughs> the uh, the puzzles, I thought, were pretty easy, and I'm kind of, uh, I'm grateful for that. I don't, I don't think this game would have been served by having really difficult puzzles. This is no more difficult puzzle-wise than your average Zelda game, and I think that that is uh, a good idea. It just kind of like shakes up the gameplay a little bit. We'll we'll talk. This is kind of combat heavy in a lot of areas. We'll talk about that later. I'm not a huge fan of the combat, though. So I was happy to get some, you know, little light puzzling or platforming or uh, doing the spinner like the spinner in uh, Twilight Princess was one of my favorite things in that game. And it's it's pretty fun in this game, too. So I, I kind of enjoyed the puzzling and kind of searching for treasure and stuff like that. Absolutely. Anything that increases your mobility is always welcome in my book. Mm-hmm. Like Doom Eternal is one of my favorite games. And this game is once you start getting those mo- those mobility abilities, you really start to feel a little bit like the Doom guy, especially if you ever experiment with the weapon combinations or anything. Uh, I'm not sure what part we're on, but do you want to get into the weapons or anything like that? Or is that skipping ahead? Uh, that is a little bit later in the notes, but you can bring it up if you want. Oh no! I'll we'll talk about it there. I'll remember. I'll definitely remember because okay. I, I was having fun towards the end. I was like playing. I was playing a video game rather than trying to escape the uh, ever-present, om- the omnipresent death happening all around me. There, there is a good moment once you get all of those upgrades later in the game. You do get that sweet Metroidvania feeling of like you're in total command of the map. You can handle anything and. You're just kind of like flying through these screens uh, really quickly as you're trying to get across the map and and do your kind of end game tasks. Uh, So you do get that sweet spot that like a good Metroidvania will make you feel like super, super powerful at the end of the game. And you like no obstacle can stop you. No enemy can stop you. And I definitely felt that at the end. But in the middle, woo, rough, rough. I got I, I got so lost not not lost lost is the wrong word because i knew exactly where i needed to go but this game gives you these they feel very arbitrary reasons why like i need to get inside this building i'm literally right outside of the building 
but the game is like, nope, you can't go in the the door uh, because you know there's a monster there. You can't fight this monster. And I, I ran into this time where I was like, I need to get into this building. I used my knowledge of the map and everything like that, all these movement upgrades to get to the entrance to the building. And then I got inside. There's the big Eldritch monster. You can't fight them until the end. So it's like, nope, get out. And then I was like, okay, I'll find a second way into the building. And then I I did. I found a second way. I used, again, my knowledge of the map and the up, the movement upgrades and everything. And I found a new way. And I went in the new way. And there was another of those monsters. And there was like, nope, you can't get in this way. And I was like, fuck this game. That's when I texted you. And I was like, I hate this game. Uh, because oh, that's interesting. I got so frustrated. And you know what the solution was? It was to hop on the spinner and go past those enemies, even though the game tells you to to run away. Uh, you go in the room, the game tells you, like, you can't fight this, find a new way, or something like that. But what you had to do was get on the spinner and get past it and get on an elevator. That was how I solved that. And so that was the point where I was like, man, I am sick of this game. So that's really interesting, actually. Continue. Sorry. It's I just right. like my brain just exploded with a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> the, just like the the navigating in between the dungeons, trying to find the way into the next dungeon. I, I it's my least favorite part of the game by far. I think it's confusing and again, feels very arbitrary of like. There are three ways into this dungeon, but the developers clearly just want you to use one way. And I, I don't really like that. I don't, yeah, didn't like it. There's a, there is a significant like obtuseness to a, a, a couple of things, you know, mm-hmm. like, like you were saying, the puzzles are very easy, except occasionally you just <laughs> have like, there's just no, there's no solution. And I, I'm really interested in, in digging a little bit into what you're saying now, because I, I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm gonna be honest. I, I don't know what you're, and, but this is the thing that you said the spinner and i realized i in my head i realized what part of the map you were talking about i got stuck before that like i made it i i made it into the building from some way i can't remember but i got stuck with the key thing that i thought i needed but Mm -hmm. what i really needed was just a simple solution to a puzzle that i was just being a dum-dum about (laughs) like a very obvious puzzle that i just didn't see the solution for yeah. And I eventually found out that I I ran around and talked to a million people and I found a I talked to the blueprint lady the the blacksmith. She had a blueprint for a grenade launcher. And in my head I was like I wonder if this can blow up rocks. And so I bought the grenade launcher blueprint, you know, equipped it, made it, ran around blowing up all of the rocks. The I got around this is the the second uh the second dungeon is the one I was working on, but I ended up blowing my way, blowing my way around to the third dungeon, oh, and geez. I explored the third dungeon, which looped into the second dungeon, and <laughs> then I found another way into the second dungeon, but eventually I got stuck and I couldn't progress forward. But it makes me think that the you were having trouble getting into this building that I just accidentally wandered into, like in a really uh, like a really roundabout way yeah maybe maybe or are we thinking of different areas it might be separate ones um but again like the map is mostly open like and the like you said the dungeons connect to each other there's like i think there's three levels to the map there's like an upper highways level there's a ground level and then there's like a 
basement sewer level and you can connect all the dungeons and stuff to each other through one of those uh, ways. And so like it is kind of it's one of the best things about a lot of Metroidvanias, right? Like you get this big map, you're trying Mm -hmm. to master the map and figure out how things connect to each other. I just found it way too confusing in this game to like, I think there's just like one layer of complexity too much for me to like intuitively figure out where I was supposed to go. Cause like you said, there's five dungeons. The first one is, you know, there's no puzzle or there's no like figuring out how to get into it. It's just there. And then the other ones you have to figure out how to get into them. Not unlike a, you know, link to the past or something like that. But I, I got stuck on at least three of them. Like, and I was and it's frustrating because you're like, I'm right outside and I've already found two entrances to this, but the game just won't let me go in. So what am I supposed to do? This this is not fun anymore. This is frustrating. And all the while the time is ticking. Yeah, for sure. So like this aspect of the game doesn't work for me so well. And then like you do get this like the urge in metroidvanias is like when you pick up a new power up let's say you, you get the hook shot right i want to go explore the map and see where this hook shot can lead me to treasure that i missed before but in this game you have that time mechanic that is i don't, I don't want to say it's punishing you for going to explore because you're going to find some meteor dust probably while you're out exploring but it at least disincentivizes you a little bit from just like exploring for a couple hours because your npcs are going to die unless you find a ton of meteor dust when you're out there it is not unlike the uh, moon in majora's mask (laughs) yeah where it is constantly it's omnipresent and it it changes it changes your mentality about a couple of things um my so you you mentioned the uh the big scary alien monsters um did you 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 can kill those without the end game weapon you can it's terrible it's it's really it's really hard and like we'll we'll get into the combat in a second but to kill those without the weapon that you're you know the whole game is the point is to make this weapon so you can kill these things you can do it without it but it's really hard like too hard for me to do so i just treated that as like a nope not me i'm not gonna pretend like i'm good at video games i actually cheesed a monster okay (laughs) but um so this is post me because me talking about getting the grenade launcher reminded me this is post me with the grenade launcher and i am literally just combing the map now just trying to find a way out of my predicament right and there is a specific area where you can climb up a vine onto a building rooftop and then a monster will start running at you it's in like the middle of the city but it can't hit you it can't get to you so i use the grenade launcher and i'm banking it off of the wall next to me <laughs> to fall down into the floor and it took me about 20 minutes and i got an achievement for it on the xbox oh which nice is pretty cool thank you but um <laughs> it's a uh, uh it was terrible and i was like surely i'm gonna get something for this right and i dropped down and there's a chest i'm like yes i open the chest up and da na 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 meteor dust right and i'm like Oh my god, I have 11 of these. Yeah. <laughs> like that took so long. It took at least a day in game time. Yeah, I like, was going to say the the meteor dust that you got offset the time you spent to kill that thing. Maybe. Not worth. <laughs> yeah, and then only at the very end of the game did I get into that sweet flow of like end game Metroidvania. I'm going to go through the map with all my powers and I'm going to destroy everything in my path. 
only at the end of the game did I feel that. And that's that's by design. But in the middle of the game, when you're supposed to be exploring and finding paths and stuff, I got so frustrated. And it's I mean, it, it kind of makes me feel good to hear that you got frustrated, too, that it's not just me being dense and impatient as I tend to be sometimes in in games. So we're going to take a little music break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the kind of combat and by extension, the kind of souls like elements of this game. game has a very souls light uh, i will say kind of a combat system number one you lose your money when you die i go back to the spot where you die to regain your money i think it's actually half of your money not all of it Mm. the enemies uh stay dead uh until you recharge at a terminal aka rest at a bonfire in dark souls speak I like that the enemies stay dead uh, when you're exploring. I like that they don't respawn every screen like, you know, Metroid games do and stuff like (laughs) that. I don't think this game is at all served by having a lose your money when you die mechanic. I just like this feels like something that where they were like, we want to use Dark Souls elements. Okay, well, you lose your money when you die. And it's like, well, why do you lose your money when you die? I don't know. You just do. That's kind of how it feels in this game. I don't know how you feel about this. Did this bother you at all? It was very strange, especially because for a long period of time, I wasn't dying. So I didn't even know that this was the case. I probably lost a handful of money. The only thing I could think of is the main source, the the main drain on your wallet in this game is you use the, I think they're called bolts. I might be thinking of Ratchet and Clank now, but (laughs) (laughs) um, but they use the money to upgrade the amount of uh, chip slots that you have they right. go as far as to even include a chip which takes up two slots to that negates the money loss penalty upon death in right. general which i don't think is worth it because at that point you could just have extra armor or health you know like something that would benefit you more than that mm-hmm. but yeah i have no clue why because i was never hurting for money besides the whenever i thought i needed that key so and and at the end I was fully upgraded with the chips. I'm not sure about you. I'm sure you were because yeah. it sounds like you were like me that you ran around the map and killed everything. Yeah, so I don't know why you lose your money other than that's just the way that a souls like uh must work by law. Um but you do. And then combat in this game is uh kind of soulsy but not really. The the most souls like thing that I can think of is that you have a stamina bar again I don't know why you have a stamina bar um, unless they just don't want you attacking incessantly. But I, I feel like you feel like you don't have enough stamina in this game. Like you run out of stamina quick, more quickly than you do in a Dark Souls game. You can swing your sword three times before you run out of stamina. And in a picture yourself playing a link to the past and you're out of stamina after three sword swings. It doesn't feel great. At least it didn't to me. Uh, but there is a stamina system. And then like Nave said, you have these chip slots uh, where you can kind of customize your character. So you 
add-in chips like in uh, Nier Automata. It's a pretty good comparison there. Add-in yeah, chips for bonus health or bonus defense or more stamina or like extra damage for swords or extra damage for axes, um, extra gun damage, better spin attack. There's all kinds of chips you can use. Uh, I mostly just filled up mine with more stamina and a couple things for more health. And then I used a sword throughout the game and uh, I used a chip wow. for extra sword damage. And that's about it. Yeah, the uh, the main thing in combat is to um, block. Uh, blocking and perfect blocking is essential uh, for this game. Most enemies are very hard to like attack, attack, dodge, attack, dodge, like you would in, you know, Bloodborne, Souls, stuff like that. Yeah. But you can block and parry anything in this game, uh, including ranged attacks too. If you perfect block a ranged attack, it'll shoot it back at the enemy uh, that shot it at you. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Uh, there's <laughs> like little... Little... I actually, yeah, there's I didn't little... use parry too much. Oh, okay. I felt like it was essential then. So maybe you have a different kind of uh, perspective on this. So a lot of enemies, if you get a perfect parry, they will they will get like, you know, stunned. And if you hit them when they're stunned, they'll take like five times as much damage as a regular attack. Like it'll kill most enemies in one hit if you hit them when they're stunned. And this felt for regular enemies, it felt um, essential to you can kind of swing, swing, stun lock the regular enemies and kill them like little dudes. But there's a lot of bigger yeah. enemies. And I feel like you have to block those. You have to perfect parry those. That the so we had a very large divergence in play styles as far as the combat it seems. Uh, so you went sword and you went high stamina, and I went axe and I went all defense. Okay. Like I had everything was full of health, defensive armor stuff like that, and so I was hitting. Pe- I had to hit people more, but I was using the axe, which does more damage typically, you know. But uh, for the most part, I was doing a lot of jumping away i would do a lot of like guerrilla warfare hit once and jump away because mm-hmm. i would use like all of my stamina on that one swing and so i'd have just enough stamina to jump away like twice as far as there are smaller enemies which choreograph their swings a lot easier and there are some really big slow enemies that i would parry as well but for the most part like with the harpies and stuff i was just like crossing my fingers and just hoping that i, w- I could kill them before they stun locked me and killed me mm-hmm. but uh i had so much health and I only took like one or two damage from basically any attack unless it was a boss attack. Okay. So I was a pretty beefy boy, just kind of the same way that I play Dark Souls. Um, I don't trust my timing with parry, which yeah. is hilarious because I'm a notorious rhythm gamer. So you think my timing <laughs> is amazing. But like I I have little patience for learning like attack patterns and stuff. So like I just want to beef my way through it. And that's kind of how I went through that game. Parrying is very good, though. It's it's pretty satisfying and like a lot of enemies will like, you know, once you hit that perfect block, they will like fall upside down and stuff like that. And it's a it's pretty satisfying and the the window for parrying, I think, is pretty generous because I'm not good at parrying in uh, a lot of games like in. um, Well, we talked about Dark Souls a lot. I can't parry in those games. I find it mostly impossible. Mm. But in this game, it's pretty generous. It's pretty easy to parry. What gets you, though, is some enemies will not stagger on the first parry. You have to parry them two or three times in a row. 
And that starts to get tough. But by the end of the game, I was like, you know, those big Eldritch things. I had those things down and I would I would fuck those things up if I came across them only at the end, though. The that sounds like Sekiro a little bit parrying multiple times to stagger. Yeah. And those Eldritch dudes are like the way I fought them is I knew I could get two hits off and I would be out of stamina. I would get hit once. So I had to heal while I was invincible Mm -hmm. and then I could swing one more time and kill it. And that yeah. was every single time I fought one. <laughs> like that was the exact pattern. And if I ever was off for a sec for like a second, I would just die instantly and I'd just be like, Well damn. Gotta go back. Did you ever use the gun in this game or like ranged attacks at all? Ooh, do you want to get into like builds? Because I really like this was a huge part of my builds is that i was very ranged okay let's whenever hear i it. was out of stamina you could just use your wet ranged weapons like just whenever you're recovering stamina so i was like this is perfect um at the at the beginning i was using the uh, grenade launcher a ton mm-hmm. um the the fact that so many weapons also uh double up as utility items are is very unfortunate so i had a i had my ninja class of course with the shuriken and the katana which, which I hardly ever use. I only use the shuriken, the, the because I started to use the. I got a thunder axe pretty early, which is very strong. Mm-hmm. And so I got the thunder axe and the grenade launcher, and that was my big boy weapons. And then the last one was just kind of utility until I got the hook shot. Um, do you want to talk about like end game? Did you ever did you ever experiment with the weapon? Because in this game you have. You can equip two weapons, right. but you have three slots that you can swap between, kind of like how it is in Diablo, mm-hmm. where you just swap instantly between different item sets. Yeah. And um, so you, you can do that with three different weapons, uh, weapon sets. Right. So I, I, so like the main weapons you have are like your melee weapons. You have swords and axes. And I tried to make axes work, but they're just too slow for me. And I just kept, I just, I was just getting wrecked because uh, I just, they attack so slow, and and this is the same as I play in um in Souls games is the big heavy weapons. I'm just not as good because the wind ups are so long and stuff like that. So I played with swords in this game, and then I used all three of those loadout slots for different. Like one of them would have sword and hookshot, and then the next one would have sword and shuriken, and then the next one would have sword and grenade launcher. And so what I was getting at is like you you have ranged weapons too. Like you have a whole list of guns. Like Nave said, you use the grenade launcher, uh, you get pistols, you know, automatic, you know, kind of like an assault rifle type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I never used a gun ever. I just forgot, like consistently forgot that I had a gun in combat. You know, I was all about parrying and melee attacks and stuff like that. I highly, I highly recommend you go back Okay, so this was my baby at the end. Before this, at the end game when I was very strong, but before I got the end game weapon, your master sword, you could say. Right. Uh, uh, I had the perfect fighting. I like. I never switched off of this combination. Well, so I I did get. So there's a grenade launcher. There's a thing called the tri grenade launcher or a spread grenade launcher, and it shoots three grenades, Ooh. and you have three rounds of it. <laughs> so the original grenade launcher has one grenade, three rounds. This is literally just an upgrade for that. And that at no downside, the reload's the same exact speed and everything. So mm-hmm. um, once you get the hook shot, 
I turned this game into Doom fucking Eternal. <laughs> and every single enemy I saw, I, like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, would go, get over here, and grab that guy, pull him to me, hold him by his face, put my grenade launcher right up to his head, and then blow him <laughs> up. And almost every time, all three grenades would be an instant kill on almost every enemy. Nice. It was fantastic. And I was just having so much fun. Just spite I would Spider-Man across the room, grab someone, yank him over away from his friends, blow him up immediately. And yeah, I, you can do that three times before you have to reload. And then you can just Spider-Man away and reload. It's so fun. That's see, it's such a funny play style. That's cool. And that that means there's a lot more like build variety to this than I initially thought. Cause I was playing this as kind of like a, you know, 2D Sekiro almost. Like I was all about parrying perfect blocks and stuff like that and melee attacks. I never used the hookshot in a combat way and I never used the uh, guns at all. Never. Uh, I got real mad because they give you the ice grenade launcher as a Metroidvania type upgrade to help you make platforms on water, but you run out of ammo in the middle of platforming and it's super fucking (laughs) frustrating. So I got real mad and I, I like, if I could have put that grenade launcher in a box and just left it there, I would have because I was so spiteful about that. Later, you get the the ice uh, shuriken, which you can just throw and make platforms super easily. So like that trouble goes away. Uh, there's also like an active reload system in this game, uh, not unlike a, you know, Returnal or Gears of War or something, but I found it so hard to do. I, I like could not do it. And re- reloading takes a long time. So again, never use guns in combat outside of like the first half hour of the game. But it's cool to hear that you did and that you found like a really cool, you know, build that I never thought of. Another way to, well, so I didn't think about the ice shuriken. I got all the blueprints for the shurikens, but I never actually built any. But uh, I used the ice grenade launcher once, once that kind of combination came together. My second build with the axe was I swapped it with the with the uh ice grenade launcher Mm -hmm. and that might make you feel or you can substitute it with the there's an ice beam gun thing i can't remember what it is and then you know the ice shuriken where that really helps compensate for the slow uh wind up of the axe because the axe is way more powerful than the sword yeah you know and to compensate it uses more stamina and it's slower Mm -hmm. but if the enemy's frozen then you know you just you just smash them like it's sub-zero's fatality you know it's it's over yeah but so that's what i was doing for a while was those two combinations of weapons the other kind of component to this combat system is uh the, the crafting which plays into this so throughout the game when you're exploring you'll find these kind of trash uh, you'll find trash around the world in there. Your crafting components, yeah, like a fuse. Yeah, you'll find blown something. fuses or literally like you know tin cans and stuff like that around the world. And you use these to craft these other items called cogs. And cogs give you temporary bonuses, uh, like you know the next three hits you take will be negated uh, by a defense cog, or the next twenty attacks that you make will have increased power with an attack cog um there's also ones for stamina there's ones for getting a free uh, life if you die you'll revive and this is what you craft and so each level has a crafting table at the beginning usually next to the uh the terminal the bonfire and i 
eventually, like I said, you can, if you give the NPC enough meteor dust, you can get a mobile crafting table where you can craft anywhere. And I found these cogs to be 100% necessary against the bosses Ah, uh, in this game. I went through so many cogs. And when I got that mobile crafting table, I was crafting during boss fights, which, you know, (laughs) is a little funny to think about. You pull out your mobile crafting table and you, you pound out a gear at the time, but these were so necessary to like create. I don't want to say like a specific loadout because every single time was basically like, okay, defense cog, attack cog, revive cog, and then maybe another defense cog. And you can kind of brute force most, some of a boss fight. You still have to learn the bosses. They'll kill you if you don't learn them, but it does take away a lot of the, um, the struggle which I don't like in Dark Souls games. Like there was no boss in this game that I had to fight more than three times. And I think it's because of this cog system. Oh yeah, the cog system was fantastic. At first I was kind of sleeping on it, but because um, you don't really get too many at the beginning and you don't have you obviously don't have the blueprints to craft them. But um once once you have four cogs, you can only ever have four in your inventory. If you ever pick up a fifth one, it asks you if you want to destroy it to turn it into money. And of course, I'm like, mm, maybe not. Let me go look at my cogs, put it back in the chest. And I, I have three stamina cogs. I could just like, okay, I could just discard one of these. Mm-hmm. And I, but I started just to activate them just because I'm like, okay, well, I either use them or lose them, right? And I'm never coming back for this treasure chest. So I'm, gonna, I'm putting it in my brain that I'm just going to start using these. And like, I, like you said, I also had my own little, I had my preferred setup for whenever I went into boss fights. And I, it was always, uh, since I was so beefy, I had so much health and defense already, I would always just get two attack cogs, one stamina cog, and one revive just in case. But uh, I agree with you. The The bosses are very interesting. I almost, I, pay, I basically enjoyed every bosses. I even enjoyed some of the mini bosses. But for the most part, I think only one boss killed me. And I think it was the first one when I, when I was, I was the, at my weakest point in the game. And but I ended up, I don't know, because at the second boss, I had played the game. Like, most of my NPCs were dead. It was so long, <laughs> how long I was playing the game. So I had the grenade launcher. I was, like, I was really, like, fighting pretty strongly at that point. Yeah. So the bosses, uh, this is something that I, I think the bosses are fine. Like, they didn't make, they're not Metroid bad. I think Metroid games have horrible bosses, except for Metroid Dread. Those bosses are good. These bosses are fine. They're they're learnable, and once you learn their attacks, uh, they are pretty pretty fun. Uh, sometimes, my thing with the bosses is that they're all basically the same thing. They're all basically like this boss is going to shoot some stuff at you. You have to learn how to dodge it, and then you dodge it, and then they're going to come melee attack you, parry them twice in a row, and you can get in a bunch of hits. Then it's going to repeat. But then they're going to add some ads. So a couple of ads are going to come in. This is this is true for like four of the six bosses or however many bosses there are. Then you avoid the attacks and kill the ads. Then it's going to come melee attack you. You parry it twice. Then you're done. That's how all of the patterns uh, seem to me. And since I was parrying, that's kind of how I engaged with it and ended up making them all feel basically the same with different, you know, 
This one has these ranged attacks. The next one has these ranged attacks. But other than that, they they felt very similar. The settings were different for all of them, though, so it does shake it up a little bit. And uh, yeah, the again, they started to feel the same, but they're not bad. I just didn't like. I, I'm not going to remember these boss fights. You know, I actually already barely remember them, and I it's been it's only been a couple <laughs> weeks since I played this game. There are a couple that I remember, though. We can talk about them in the spoiler section. I don't know. As a whole, I think they're fine. Not super memorable, though. Again, it's interesting because we had such a different uh, perspective on combat. It's super cool to hear because you're like, I'm parrying the bosses. and I'm like, you can fucking parry the bosses? What? Yeah. You could do that? It felt necessary. Like you... Because that's how you get big damage, because you parry them twice in a row, they fall down, you go hit them and take away a chunk of their health bar. That felt super necessary to me, so it's crazy to me that like you obviously had good success against them without doing that. I was just war of attritioning it. I play, I guess I just play, even though my build seems so much more reckless, I was playing way more safe than that. I was not trying to attempt, I was nowhere near them when they were attacking me melee. Um, essentially, most, again... I agree with you with the bosses kind of like being kind of not copy paste, but like the strategy against them is very similar where uh, almost every single boss I had was jump through the the ranged attack towards them so that I can hit them with my axe once and then jump away. So and that's all of my stamina, by the way. So hopefully they don't have a follow up. Right. But (laughs) and then as soon as they start trying to melee me, I'm jumping away and shooting my grenade launcher back where they're at, just hitting them point blank with my grenade launcher, essentially, which the good thing about this grenade launcher is there's no splash damage on you. So Mm -hmm. you don't ever take damage. You can shoot people right in the face at Allah. I was hookshotting people into my face and shooting them. But um, once you get the grenade launcher, maybe the grenade launcher might be a little too strong. And that's why I was able to kill bosses on, for the most part, the first try. But that was essentially my entire experience, especially when you get the triple grenade launcher. That thing just is just nuts. That okay. thing is doing like 14 damage per grenade three times. So it's like, what is nine times 14? I don't know off the top <laughs> of my head. Yeah, well, OK, so maybe the bosses are not as like prescriptive as I thought they were. Like um, there are multiple ways to approach them. You don't have to parry those attacks. Um, so that's cool. It's I had kind of figured that like the way that I was doing it was the way that you had to do it. Um, because parrying opens them up for so much damage, it felt like a kind of mandatory thing to me. But since that was not your experience, then I was not correct in that assumption. So that is cool to hear. And that's um makes me feel a little bit better about the way it was designed. Like I really felt like the way I was playing it was the way you had to, um, like the way that Sekiro works or something like that. And yeah. I guess that's not the case. So that's cool. It is very interesting because it makes me want, I wish I could, did you Twitch stream this? I was like, I wish I could just watch and see how much damage you do when you're parrying them because I'm like, maybe I was making the boss fights last twice as long because I was just wasn't exploiting weak spot weak spots yeah when you get a when you get the perfect parry and they fall down and you hit them i want to say you do at least like 20 percent. you like you can do like a weapon combo while they're down and if you hit if you get like a full combo in while they're just laying on the ground i feel like it takes away like 20 percent of their health bar so if you do that 
three times throughout the fight, plus, you know, chip damage whenever you get an opportunity in the other parts of the fight. That was my strategy. And I felt like I had to get like, again, very Zelda. I feel I felt like I had to do this pattern three times. And that's how like all Zelda bosses are like you find the weak point, you do it three times and then the fight's over. And that's exactly how these felt to me, too. But again, cool that that wasn't um, the way you approached it. And you found that the triple grenade launcher helped you out a lot. And it sounds like it made the boss fights easier for you because I died. Um, uh, most of the bosses killed me at least once um, until the end when I we will talk about how, but I was very powered up at the end of the game. I, I did. Now that I'm thinking about it, I did die to another boss. I died to the first one and I died to. I want to say the fourth one, but we can talk about that in the spoilers. I'll get more granular with that. Okay, cool. Uh, the other kind of Dark Souls-y thing, and like Dark Souls didn't invent this, but like there's so many Dark Souls-ish systems in the game, uh, like design choices in the game that I'm putting it on in the Souls uh, section is that the map is separated by uh, checkpoints and like within the dungeons too, there are these uh, shortcuts that will lead you back to your checkpoint or make backtracking easier or open up connections into entire other levels and stuff like that. So again, because of that time mechanic, I never used those shortcuts between levels uh, a lot (laughs) because I was always like, you know, I could go, you know, use this new shortcut and check out these sewers, but my fairy bot has 30 hours to live. I'm just going to stick, you know, eye on the prize basically so but the the shortcuts were helpful in uh the levels especially if you die against the boss you'll probably open up some shortcuts that get you back to the boss room pretty quickly so yeah i i enjoyed that it's always a good feeling in any game when you open up a shortcut back to your checkpoint and in this game it feels the same way inside the dungeons uh, especially since uh this game has the dark souls thing where you can teleport between bonfires as well right Mm mm-hmm yeah, that seems incredibly necessary in a game where uh, time is of the essence. Right. Like, there's like it would be especially frustrating, especially towards the end of the game, whenever you are running around killing the monsters with your master sword. The there are multiple times where I would be like, okay, he's just south of this bonfire thing. I'm going to just teleport there, and I would go south, and there'd be a wall there with a button on the other side. I'm like. Damn. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I have to run it's the all same the way as the uh, the Dark Souls. This door does not open from this side. It's exactly the same. There is a door in Elden Ring, and I still don't know how to get on the other side. <laughs> and none of my friends know how. And it's very early in the game. Yeah. It's like just before the second boss, and I'm just like, there's so much item over there. I can see it from yeah. the bars <laughs> in the window. Right. But again, like you, you do open up those shortcuts between levels themselves, and since I very rarely strayed from the main path until the very end of the game, I didn't tend to use those a whole lot, but they are there. And if you find yourself in a situation where you, you know, you're not pressed for time, or if you find yourself in a situation where you just like, don't care if the NPCs are going to go unsighted, you're like, you know, this NPC is going to die in 10 hours, but they're, they don't offer me anything. So I don't care if that's your mindset, then these levels are all like really well connected to each other in a very like Dark Souls one or like uh Hollow Knight type of way. Like the whole map is connected to the whole map. It's interesting too, because I don't know if you ever looked through the, I don't know what uh, 
what platform you played this on, but on the Xbox, I went through all the achievements as I do because I'm an addict. I mm -hmm. always go through the achievements before I start playing a game just to see what's going on. Yeah. And there are multiple achievements that uh, are for se literally sequence breaking or like skipping complete things. Oh, okay. And it's like, I, there are, the game is so short. Like I was saying, this game took us seven and eight hours to beat, but I'm sure now that I know where everything is, now that I know exactly what I need to get into exact places, I think I could probably beat this game in about an hour, maybe an hour, 20 minutes, mm -hmm. like just sprinting through it. Like I'm going to just go as fast as I can through the first two dungeons, get that triple grenade launcher as soon as possible, use that for the rest of the fucking playthrough. <laughs> you know, like, but the the cool thing is, like I was saying, that I wandered into the third dungeon before I got to the before I even completed the second dungeon. Now I couldn't really do anything in the third dungeon, but get but like the fact that I was there was very interesting. And at the beginning of the game, I'm fairly certain it tells you outright that you can tackle these dungeons in any order you want yep now and it was like you can do it in any order you want it's recommended you go in the one two three four five order that we give you mm -hmm. and follow the little waypoint but obviously if you've beaten the game before maybe there is multiple different ways that you can sequence break this game and this game is a very small fan base but the fan base is very dedicated i found on the the subreddit and the youtube videos and stuff like there are people who really enjoy this game and i think that is probably the aspect this like mastery of the map which a lot of dark souls games and even metroidvania games and even zelda games for that matter like all these influences that these guys that the developers have pulled from they it's definitely a a a work of love this map that they have and and like you were saying at the beginning there is a level uh, there is one level past acceptability like there is it is a little convoluted and there is some obtuseness to the map but and and I, I wish some things were a little bit more clear like i wish i wouldn't go south and there would be a wall there i wish like the first time i saw that wall there should be a red line there that says i don't know how to get through that wall you know like like resident evil style you know even like i'm pretty sure resident evil one did that when you would see a locked door it would be a red line you know mm -hmm. yeah but the interconnectivity of the map is very interesting and if it it's it's weird in a game that is has a very strict time limit but once you play through the game once or twice i'm sure that the mastery that you gain from just lo knowing your locations just i'm sure i'm pretty sure people who've beaten this game a couple times just don't even think about the timer anymore oh yeah like, i'm sure it's not even a thing cuz they're beating the game so fast so they're just exploring to their heart's content yeah, I would guess I would guess that a speed run of this game is like really short, like under an hour, I'm sure. Like because if if you can sequence break as many times as you uh you there's achievements like you said for sequence breaking. So if you can do that, I would assume that yeah, you can get like total mastery on like where you need to go and how you need to do it and stuff like that. Uh, I just spent so much time lost, though, because, you know, speed, <laughs> speed running and sequence breaking and the way I play are very different things. So, yeah, yeah, but the, that possibility I like to explore is there. every nook and cranny. Yeah. Again, like I and I like to explore every nook and cranny, too. And that's what I love about Souls games. That's what I love about Metroidvanias. But that time mechanic was kind of telling me like, hey, man, don't explore too much because 
someone's going to die while you're doing that. It's like you, you get these messages yeah. that like, oh, the blacksmith has gone unsighted while I'm out, you know, treasure hunting or something like that. Feels like I'm like neglecting what I should be doing in a way. I think there's, I think there's an achievement. So the game, the main thing you need to do in the game is go to the five dungeons, get the five, what are they called? Shards? Of, yeah, meteor I shards. Think, something. Meteor sh- I didn't want to say meteor shards because meteor dust. I thought that I was getting things confused. But uh, meteor shards, I'm pretty sure there's an achievement for getting the first meteor shard in the tutorial of the game. Like, I think you can just stumble upon it oh, in some weird, weird crazy way. Sequence and break. Okay. I, so the achievements are, I mean, it is all very spoilery, obviously. All of those achievements are it's a uh, spoiler tagged so you can't look at it you have to like go onto a website right that takes those away so that you can look at them but right but yeah it's very very interesting and once you beat the game you get like a couple of different game modes you get like boss rush and new game plus and mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy stuff so it's like well i mean if you get a new game plus and that carries the weapons over then obviously you can sequence break all you want so maybe i just accidentally negated my first point but oh, oh well. who knows So this game is like pixel art, kind of isometric uh, pixel art. And uh, I think this game looks really good. I, I think like pixel art in general is just just an awesome, you know, artistic design choice uh, for a lot of games. I think the pixel art in this game is good. Uh, in the cutscenes. it's a little bit more detailed than it is in the, uh, you know, the game world. But both of them look really good. There's a lot of color, um, especially with some of the monsters uh i found sometimes in combat it was kind of hard to like read what was going on on screen because maybe some of the color choices like the enemy is the same color as the floor and stuff like that (laughs) so sometimes i would like literally like be bumping up against an enemy just because i didn't see them there Uh, that didn't feel good but like artistically the character designs and stuff like that it's kind of anime in a way but like pixel art and like the the way the characters are drawn looks very anime to me i think this game looks really good like uh uh, your first thing with the pixel art pixel art is timeless like that's the reason why uh nes uh or or s not nes but snes games look really amazing like symphony (laughs) of the night looks amazing but then you go to watch super mario 64 speed runs and it just looks hideous it's just colored triangles and squares but um the art style, yeah, what you were saying, it looks like it is inspired by anime, but it's definitely very Western. It's kind of like anime meets, I don't want to be like, it, like Adventure Time, Steven Universe kind of feel a little bit. I'm not like a big fan. Like it's it's not anime enough for me so that I'm like, this is anime, but uh-huh. it is not realistic enough for me to where I'm like, it is a little bit in that uncanny valley for me personally, but I mean, uh, I'm not going to knock, like, I think the game itself looks very good. Um, I think the monster design is very interesting, especially the, like, Cthulhu-looking creatures that you're fighting at the end. They're very menacing. They're very fast. They attack very uh, 
in a very uncanny way. Like I'm very into those creatures and the environments are really, really nice. Like there are some effects in some areas that are, I don't want to say breathtaking because I don't want to set that bar way high. It's not like Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley looks pretty awesome. But I mean, like, there are like leaves flying in the wind as you're jumping over ponds and like like making stones pop up in the lakes and stuff. And I'm like, this is very peaceful. I wish I wasn't on a time limit so that I can enjoy this a little bit more. But <laughs> it's a uh, got a post-apocalyptic vibe though. Uh, there's a lot of ruination going uh, everywhere. Like ev- all the buildings are destroyed. It's like the outskirts of a city for the mm-hmm. most part. If, yeah. When you're not underground. But um. Yeah, I'm going on. So sorry, I <laughs> just like confused. That's all right. Um, I did look it up. The uh, developers are from Brazil, so it is definitely like a kind of you know Western anime style. It, it definitely hits me in that kind of way. The same way that you know, talking about something I don't know a whole lot about. My only other experience with something like that would be like Avatar: The Last Airbender or something like that. Clearly, you know, anime, but yeah. not Japanese anime. Uh, so. That's the way it's designed. Um, it looks really good. Your main character looks cool. A lot of the other characters, I think, have pretty cool character designs. The dogs are cute. Uh, the bosses look cool. Like the, you know, the enemy sprites uh, look very cool. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of effects going on on screen. There's rain. There's smoke and all kinds of stuff like that. So it's a uh, it's a good looking game, uh, definitely. So let's get into some final thoughts about Unsighted before we get into the spoiler section. Always kick it to the guest first. So Nave, kind of in summary, uh, what do you want people to know about Unsighted? If Breath of the Wild meets Link to the Past meets Majora's Mask meets Dark Souls, if that does not, if none of that perked your ears up, then this is not the game for you. If you don't like two-dimensional games, maybe step away from this as well. It's a very action, uh, twitch reflex-oriented. It's not hard, but it's like it, if you're really bad at combat in, two, in a two-dimensional plane, then maybe this isn't the game for you. Um, I'm pretty bad at it, but I was able to get through it okay as a tank. So, I mean, if there's hope for me, there's hope for you guys. Uh, the time mechanic is very interesting, but you can turn it off if you want to just explore the world the first playthrough as like a very chill experience. I'm sure that that's a possibility. I find that a lot of my frustrations came from the time mechanic, but I was very stubborn about turning it off. I was like, this is how the developer wanted it, so I'm going to do this. This is how I, I will suffer if I they wanted me to. You know, Even though when you go on the Reddit, almost everyone is like, just reset the game if you feel like you're too far gone. It's not that hard to get back to where you were. And I'm like, no, no, I, I, everyone will die. You know? <laughs> but uh, the game is very fun, especially at the end. I'm not sure how much we talked. Well, we're not the spoiler section, right? Right, not yet. Is There's another section coming up? Okay, cool. I was like, oh, are we done? Because I feel like there's stuff I still wanted to say. But yeah, so as as far as combat is concerned you can get a pretty good gauge on uh like a just a random youtube video but um if you liked bastion this game is very similar to that obviously linked to the past the influences like metroidvania but not uh side scrolling it, it's it's good it's it's legitimately very good it's not my style but i definitely enjoyed it and i think i'm going to go back and replay it whenever my co-op partner decides he wants to play it which 
he's been listening to me bitch about being stuck in that game so much that he wants to play the game now and not be stuck. Like he wants to beat the game, not stuck and go, you just suck at video games. Oh, you know, what I mean? but this is definitely more his game than mine. Okay. So for me, first of all, I, I will, I will recommend people try this game because like I did get stuck and it was frustrating. And I did text uh, Nave and say, I fucking hate this game. Those are my words that I sent. Those were my real feelings <laughs> at the time. So like, I think there are some frustrating sections in this game, but this game is trying something interesting with the time mechanic. And I think they pulled that off. Like, I think the time mechanic's really good. It makes you think in like this moral kind of gray area where it's like, hey, you know, no one else is going to save this world. If my character runs out of time, everyone's fucked. So, you know, I'm, you know, killing that NPC makes me feel bad, but I need that time. Um, you do get yourself into situations like that. And like I said, people complain about that kind of, uh, what's the word they use? Ludo narrative dissonance, uh, of the Witcher <laughs> three when the wild hunts coming any day, but I'm going to do every side quest available to me, you know, People complain about that. And this game has the opposite thing where you are feeling the pressures of your main quest and you really feel the consequences of like spending time dicking around. So in that way, this game is really cool. And it, I think it pulls that off. Um, there were some sections, like I said, that were super frustrating, mostly trying to find out how to get into each of the dungeons was very frustrating. I found the map confusing. And I didn't like how the developers basically several times in a row were like, hey, good job finding a way into the dungeon, but not this way. Find another way. And then I found another way. And they're like, not this way. Find another way. And I thought that sucked. But once I got past that, you know, I'm not averse to looking stuff up. So a couple times I did go online, searched through a Let's Play, found out how to get into the dungeon. And then I moved on and I had a very good time. Uh, at the end of the game. So we said this before, both of us kind of agree. Beginning and end of the game, very good, very fun. Middle of the game, quite frustrating. Uh, so that is kind of my experience with Unsighted. I do think it's cool. I think if they make another game with this time mechanic or something equally as creative, it will also be worth playing. So kind of my thoughts in summary about Unsighted. Um, the main thing that drew me into the game was that time mechanic, and I, I think that that was a unique experience. It was cool. So before we get into spoilers, a little housekeeping, and we'll begin by, Nave, why don't you tell people where they can find uh, the Gaming Together podcast? Um, we are on all of the podcast platforms, as far as I'm aware, um, at Gaming Together, colon, a cooperative podcast. Uh, I run the Twitter account. It is at Game Together Pod because Gaming Together's Gaming Together Pod is too long, and Gaming Together was taken. Mm -hmm. There's a Facebook group too, but I don't know what it's called because Philip runs that. So I always feel bad. <laughs> I just let that one <laughs> hang every single time. But I'm sure it's not that hard to find. Yeah, uh, that's basically it. Cool. And I again, I'll link the social media and stuff like that down in the show notes so people can easily find you guys. Again, it's a good show. I enjoy listening to it. And uh, you and Philip have a uh, good uh, kind of co-host dynamic there. I enjoy listening to the both of you. So recommend that show. Everyone check that out. As far as Tales from the Backlog goes, man, 
every time it's just the it's the same podcast stuff right uh subscribe mm-hmm. on your platform of choice look in the show notes for my social media which is on twitter at tftbl pod and on instagram at tales from the backlog and uh Tales from the Backlog has a Discord server where people can come in and talk about games. It's a good time. Talk about whatever games on the show this week or whatever we're talking about on my other podcast, which is a top three podcast, which every episode is us doing top three lists about various topics, sometimes video games, sometimes not. So please join the Discord if you want to come chat. It's a good time. And yeah. Ratings and reviews, those are very helpful, of course, for uh, indie podcasts, for both my shows and for gaming together. That would be very nice of you if you feel like uh, you've enjoyed this show. So we are going to take a break. And when we come back, it's spoiler time for Unsighted. Right, I'm back with Nave talking about spoilers for Unsighted. And let's see, let's kind of run through Alma's backstory. And I didn't mention this in the non-spoiler section, intentionally didn't mention this because I think this was a cool realization uh, to come across. Uh, the fact that um, Alma is gay and this uh, developer is a, on their Twitter account there, proudly an LGBT Q plus developer. Uh, so makes sense that they put it in the game, but I didn't mention it because number one, it's a kind of thing you learn throughout the course of the game. And number two, the game doesn't make a big deal about this. It's just the way it is. And I thought that was cool. Uh, so learning about Alma's backstory is um, the war with the humans was super devastating. Alma was kind of created as this like Oh, like ultimate warrior type, you know, created to be the best version of all the other robots. Mm. Uh, But she was very badly injured uh, during uh, a fight. And she was romantically involved with this other warrior named Raquel, uh, who you'll come across throughout the game. And um, throughout the game, Alma is slowly remembering this stuff, including her relationship with Raquel. She knows throughout the game that she needs to go find Raquel, but isn't sure why. So this is kind of part of your motivation. Uh, At some point in the game, you can find Raquel's axe. And that uh, felt like a cool moment to me. And it was like, I need to return this or maybe even use this. Did you ever find that axe or even use it? Um, I ran into that area. I saw Raquel's axe. I got killed by the monster. And I was like, well, I guess that axe is gone. And then oh. <laughs> I went back and I killed the monster, but I don't know if I got the axe or not. Okay. But at that point, I was like slingsh. I was I was playing my Spider-Man fantasy at that point. I had completely forgotten that the axe was in that area. Right. So I got the axe and I, I, you don't get anything. I think at the end, she, Alma, when you find Raquel, Alma's like, hey, I found your axe. And Raquel's like, oh, cool. Thank you. Uh, did you use it? And Alma's like, uh, you know, I tried or whatever. And Raquel's like, you'll never be as good as me, you know, with that axe. <laughs> uh, they they had a little friendly banter in some of those flashbacks. 
Um, so there was a little bit of payoff for bringing that in, but it's not like a key, you know, item or anything like that. And I wasn't using axes, so I never used it. Anyway, what I thought was cool about the story is finding out what happened to the humans. Um, because you, at the beginning of the game, they tell you these eldritch monsters that are coming at you, these alien monsters were sent by the humans to fight the robots. And that's what you know throughout the course of the game. And then later you find these kind of logs in the last level uh, that say that those are the humans. The humans turned into those monsters. They're trying to use the anima to like cause, uh, help them live forever. Sorry. Um, but they, they were doing these tests and obviously like things went super wrong with the tests, but mm. uh, some humans as this happens with all these stories, right? Where the mad scientists are like, yeah. you know, they're like, oh, uh, this horrible thing happened to these patients. Well, I guess I just need to change it a little bit. It'll definitely work next time, right? And then you Cronenberg the world. <laughs> yeah, and so all of the those monsters that you find out, those big black and green super monsters, those are the humans. And that revelation was super cool to me. Like, that was one of the moments that like brought me back into the story where I was like, oh, that's cool. I maybe I should have seen that coming, but I definitely didn't. I don't know how you would see that coming. It's I'm not sure. So it was very interesting to me because I didn't even know that there was I had already checked out by the time they were talking about the humans sent these things to attack us. I just thought they were like aliens. I'm like. There's mm -hmm. some alien dudes fighting us and stuff. And but by the time I got to the end, I was like reading logs all of a sudden again, because when you're in dungeons, sometimes you'll read a log and it's like, how are we going to solve this mystery, gang? We need to activate this elevator. <laughs> and I'm just like, I've activated 100 elevators. I just need to go get the power source and just it's a block. I push it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so <laughs> it's a video game. I was. But as I was climbing the tower, I was like, clearly they're not going to do that here. Right. Yeah. So, and yeah, it was a whole, it was a, it was an exposition dump, which in one of the flashbacks, one of the characters does specifically say, sorry for the, like they it's like, I'm paraphrasing now, but it's like, sorry for the lore dump. You know what I mean? Like after mm -hmm. they talked for like a while, but yeah. I think, you know what I'm talking about the part. Oh, we're in spoiler territory. It was Raphael. <laughs> I forgot we're in spoiler territory now. Yeah, this is this is spoiler time now, so anything goes. So, yeah, you are basically kind of fighting through those um, those monsters that the humans became, and that's the part at the end of the game that was super fucking cool, and I hope this is what you were alluding to, too, because they tell you when you get all five of those shards and you form the ultimate weapon, then you they tell you, uh, every one of those big alien monsters that you kill will upgrade the sword by one. What a fucking way to get you to run around the map one more time right. for a victory lap. I forget. I should have taken a screenshot, but I, I swear my thing was at least plus like 25 or something like that by the end of the game, plus 30. Because mm. I took out all the frustration I had from like the whole maybe six hours up until that point. I went through the map and I slaughtered all of these things that I, there were a couple that were behind doors where I was like, I'm not going to find a way behind that door. Fuck that. But everything that was like readily and easily available, I 
slaughtered all of them. And it felt great because it was that final, like, I am basically untouchable now. I have all the movement upgrades too. So I'm flying across the map and I'm destroying these things. And it felt awesome. Oh, it's so good. I definitely like you do not under do not underestimate Nave's capacity for spite and hatred. I <laughs> hunted down each and every one of them. No matter how yeah. annoying it was to get back to them, I went around the entirety of the map until all of the it the game puts a little gross little green eyeball on every little spot that they are in it doesn't mm-hmm. hide them it tells you where they're at even if it's in a spot you've never been to so i went and i found like there was some i went and found and hunted down and i think the act so i'm i'm assuming you get the sword right yep i got the sword the the yang to my yin i was yep. the axe clear i had to go <laughs> axe i was even more influenced once i realized that the love story between them i was like axe I have to be the axe now. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, because I thought she was dead. I'm going to be honest. I thought she was dead. But I was like, she's either dead or I kill her. And I was like, even then I have to carry on because I have to be better than her. Right. Because that's the whole thing. So I'm going to be another axe person. I can't carry the sword, but I don't know. That's my own little mental gymnastics. But yeah, the the fact that you upgrade every single time you kill one is very, very satisfying. It's really cool, too, because. So many games are like, they are so precious about their power curve. You know, they don't want you to be overpowered when you fight the final boss. So many games mm. are like this. And Unsighted was like, nope, this is uh, this is your time. Power yourself up and you can go, like I wrecked the final boss because I was so powered up from killing these. And you fight a lot of them in the last level too. So yeah. like, by the time I got to the final boss, I destroyed the final boss because I was so overpowered. <laughs> and I was that's cool. Like, like I said, like so many games are like, we want the final boss to be this big challenge, this big struggle. And Unsighted's like, no, you powered up, you, you earned this, you went out, you did the work to power yourself up. So you earned this. Kick the shit out of the final boss. Enjoy it. Like you are this ultimate warrior now. And it felt like really good to be basically untouchable uh as far as your stamina will take you oh and and when you have the axe and no stamina upgrades that is not very far (laughs) (laughs) but i'm sure you're doing a ton of damage and then you run away yeah you did a ton of damage for sure i still played it safe i was playing the i had the same once i had that triple grenade launcher it was my baby still so i was still i would one hit jump away bang 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 reload wait for my moment to strike again yeah, and with uh with Raquel, I definitely got the feeling that Raquel was going to be the final boss. Um as soon as you you started getting in the last level, you get these kind of lore dumps that Raquel was captured and then you get like some notes about how Raquel's being experimented on and Raquel's this rebellious yeah. prisoner and stuff like that and I was like, "Oh, she's going to be the final boss." Like 100%. Um and she kind of is not totally, but kind of, um, as far as I remember, I, I, sh- I didn't write this down and I already forgot, but it's very uh, ambiguous for sure, because like whenever you run into her, she, you don't fight her if I'm remembering but she's correctly. there and she's so she's, she's like summoning. She's like resummoning all of the boss. It's like a boss rush kind of scenario where at yeah. first you fight one boss at a time. 
and they just keep transforming between like Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat 1 but like, he just keeps Shang Tsunging between a bunch of different bosses and then you're fighting two bosses at once Ornstein and Smog style I'm sorry listeners but I speak exclusively in references so like i can yeah. only refer to one thing to another i was gonna, I no I was gonna say this is this is a like shattering the record for most mortal combat references in one podcast how many mortal <laughs> oh was it a bunch oh i'm sorry no, was the only no this is the this is the only one i think i definitely get overheard earlier because of the hook shot oh yeah this is like this is like number three or four i'm sure of mortal combat references <laughs> but i appreciate it because i also live and speak in movie references and game comparisons and stuff like that. So I'm with you, man. Um, that final boss was, um, like I said, I crushed it because I was Hmm. kind of like, I went above what I think the developers expected you to do, uh, when you're powering up the sword. I I basically, yeah, let's say that they put 20 of those monsters on your map. I killed at least like 15 of them. Like I, I really went on the war path. There's at least 30. I think I was plus 33 when I went into that building. Yeah. I I was like, I was expecting it to cap at a like even number. I remember specifically and it didn't. And I was like, hmm, weird. No, they're just like, hey man, power yourself up like as much as you want. And I really respect them for that. Because again, so many game developers feel like they're so precious about their, you know, the intended level of challenge. And Unsighted was very much like, nope destroy the final boss if you're willing to power yourself up that much do it we don't care so that was cool i really really enjoyed how before you started the final boss fight and you talked to oh shit i just forgot i forgot her name all of a sudden off the top of my head Ra, what was her name raquel raquel god sorry uh i'm so bad with names uh whenever you talk to raquel she's multiple times referring to how like she's like uh like it's it's already done like thing this is it's terrible what's already happened like you you shouldn't be involved and then whenever you finish the boss fight she's like i've done so many horrible things and it's just left like that and you're just Mm -hmm. like what happened you know what i mean and yeah and then the ending of the game is like we're gonna go to another city and i'm just like um this is oh okay all right i like this they kind of decide like you know this place this place is finished, but we're going to go someplace else. And, uh, you know, Raquel and Alma are going to live together, uh, try to live peacefully, not make the same mistakes that the humans made, um, stuff like that. It's a not exactly breaking new ground on like a, an ending in a, you know, setting like this, but I, I did think it was really sweet, uh, like that. And, uh, one thing that was weird, I want to know how you feel about this after you beat the game, anima uh becomes plentiful again kind of spreads through the air and uh it revives all of the npcs that went unsighted it brings them back to their like conscious form i noticed that look well this was what was weird for me is that i so at the end of the game you you're standing near like all the characters are standing near graves and they're like the doctor's dead that's sad and then, because I remember reading, I was like, oh, everyone's not inside it no more. They fixed it. And I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. I guess that kind of negates all of the tension now. I, I didn't know that. If I knew that, I wouldn't have cared the whole time, which would completely right. negate all of it. But So I'm glad I didn't know. But 
at the end they were like what's her name olga the the mechanics they're like i can't believe olga died and i was like what i never went and killed her like i as soon as she went inside it i was like okay well that's a wrap Ah. she's just gone so i never went and killed her but they were like olga's dead i wish she was here to see this and i was like why did olga die like everyone in my game went inside (laughs) it was like why did olga only die so i was very curious about that but that might have been a bug but also, Olga's shop is right above, uh, what's her name, the one-armed uh, android. Yeah, I can't the one that the wakes name, you up. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, so she's the one that's always kickboxing in the. But yeah, yeah. so uh, <laughs> she's uh, she lives underneath where Olga is. Her workshop is. So maybe she, that's the lores that she killed him. Because what you were saying, I didn't even know you could go and back and kill the unsighted robots you were you i didn't know that at all so uh it's very interesting because the one you said the the guy who the swordsman he lives by himself in that one dojo so you could think that maybe they just kind of quarantined the area off because you can see everyone's time so it's not unreasonable to think that everyone else can see everyone's time right right so it's like Mm -hmm. maybe they knew he was going inside it he's like i'm locking the door don't come in and then you just come in knowing he's unsighted and he's crazy and then you can fight him to death but yeah that's a very in- that kind of makes it a little bit more dark <laughs> it it does and so like i didn't kill all of the unsighted npcs there are some that just like disappear and i never saw them again but there were a couple where i was curious like okay i know that this you know dojo master went unsighted i'm gonna go into the dojo and see what it happens and then he attacks me and i kill him And I did the same for about five or six other NPCs that went unsighted. So at the end, when it's like, oh, the anima brings them all back to their, you know, conscious thinking state, I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I shouldn't have hunted down all the unsighted NPCs because I thought it was going to be like a, you know, I was doing the right thing, like putting them out of their misery. I'm very pro, like, you know, if, if someone went feral or in another game, if someone's like, yeah horribly injured or something i'm always like put them out of their misery so i was doing the same thing in this game but then at the end when they were like oh yeah it brings everyone back to their conscious state i was like oops i uh yeah kind of kind of killed all them sorry i would have felt i I would probably (laughs) would have felt very negative if i went around doing because i didn't even have that like i didn't have that mental connection i was like as soon as they were like they're unsighted I didn't even have the curiosity to go and check on them. I don't know why. I was just like, oh, they're gone. So I, I just assumed they just wandered off into the wilderness or something to right. die. Like a, I, I don't know. It's like, that's that's interesting. Because yeah, like in, in like The Walking Dead, Telltale's The Walking Dead, people, if someone got bit, I'm like, kill that guy. You're dead. Right. Sorry, dude. If, if yeah. it happened to me, shoot me, please. I don't want to kill you guys. You know what I mean? Right. I don't, I have no remorse. If I'm bitten, then I'm done. But it's like, yeah, that that is very it would it feels like a little bit of a sting. I don't know. To be to be to be clear, I like this. I like Oh. I like this sad like, you know, I thought I was doing the right thing, but suddenly, uh, you know, maybe it was the right decision at the time, but then something unforeseen happens. Like I can see seeing this both ways. I personally was like, "Oh, cool. Well, like the the shark robot I never found him and killed him. So he's back. That's cool. I was genuinely sad when he went. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. I liked yeah, him so much. Cute. 
Um, Did you talk like, to him before he was about to die? I don't remember. So I I ran into him and he only had twelve hours left. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I wonder if everyone has this kind of moment. But in fact, Olga has this kind of moment. Okay, I have I have a story for both of them now. So yeah, the shark guy, the guy that teaches you how to fish, he all he wants to do is clean up the ocean. Well, I ran into him in one of his fishing holes, and instead of fishing, he was leaning against a tree, and I talked to him, and he's just like, I wish I had enough time to clean yep. the rest of the ocean for the fish. And I was just like, I'm sorry, dude. And I just ran away. <laughs> like, I didn't, <laughs> I just, but I didn't even think about it. But um, Olga wasn't dead yet, but in her last like three or four hours, I ended up back in her shop. Uh, because I needed that was about the time that I was making the master sword, and I right. didn't even think about it about saving Olga. I forgot, but I made the master sword, left, s- walked away for about two minutes, and then she died. And I was like, I was just there, you know, like I was just over there. But uh, yeah, so she left a note that was like, "This is how you make the master sword. Here's the components. This is how you do it. Just go to my forge." And I was like, "Okay, cool." And I did it. That's really interesting because she is the only NPC that died died in my game. She must have she absolutely must have left and killed herself. Is that yeah. the implication? Cuz that is I suppose dark. so if she's cuz if she's the only one that they're kind of like mourning at the end and you didn't actually go kill her then maybe that is the implication. Yeah. Listener, I know you can't see me but I'm like holding my head because this is Yeah. Nave's having I'm a feeling horrible right all of a sudden. Like this is terrible. All the NPCs give you some kind of dialogue where like in their final hours, they will say something like, um, you know, I wish I had more time or I'm, you know, hey, man, I'm not feeling so hot right now. Like they they all have special dialogue when they're in their last, you know, couple hours. But that's very interesting with Olga. I kept Olga alive because I was like, she's the one who's going to help me make this forge. I got to keep her alive until then. So I did that. That's so interesting. It is cool that she leaves a note. Like it would be really mean if the game was like, "Hey, you let the uh, person who knows how to make the sword die." Guess we're fucked. It would be mean if the game did that. Well, the main thing that I thought was, well, for one, I wasn't sharing any of the dust. But the main thing I thought was Olga's not the only blacksmith. There's a second blacksmith. Right. Um. In the highway, it's the so there is a there is a robot who dies before Olga, but there is a robot that's there whenever you're there the first time who's like hammering away, and it's the same robot. It's like the brother of that robot, and he's over in the highway. Yeah, the that's ruins. your like weapon upgrade blacksmith is the the little robot mm. guy. Yeah, and so I was thinking like, can he has like four hundred hours when you meet him like halfway through the game? So I'm like, that guy's never gonna die. But right. that guy's alive forever. So I'm like, like every time I saw more than 300 hours, I was like, okay, this guy's alive for infinity and beyond. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm never going to worry about this person again. But, oh, speaking of brothers, the the Navi character, the right. uh, the fairy yeah. bot, did you do the side quests for the fairy bot? I did, yeah. I, I kind of stumbled oh. upon it, like, naturally. I didn't, like, go out of my way to do it, but I, I did finish it, yeah. It's so interesting. So it's like the whole time the fairy bot just kind of vaguely refers to her sister, I think, mm-hmm. was it? And so she's like, I was separated from my sister. We were in, we used to have, I used to have like a workshop and stuff, but yada, yada, yada. You end up actually stumbling upon the workshop. There's a bar, there's a key code there. 
Right. I just happened to stumble upon it at some point. I don't know when, but I wrote down in my notes, I wrote, I was like, there was a, a data pad, I think, or maybe I talked to someone, I can't remember, but I just wrote down the notes. I, I wrote down the key code and I just had, I have like eight or nine key codes on just written on a piece of paper along with, there are multiple puzzles where you have six things to hit and yeah, then it the, tells the you the dice. order slowly. Yeah. So yeah, so I just had one page dedicated. So it's just a bunch of numbers. It's indecipherable at this point, but <laughs> yeah, so I, I had the code for it and that is, I wonder if you, so you open the door and everything, right? Yep. Okay, so I wonder what would happen if ah, see, I wish I didn't know the code and I didn't open the door because then you would know what happened and I wouldn't know. I've gotten used to the dynamic at this point <laughs> where oh, <yeah. laughs> you, we just had such different experiences in, in different points. But right, yeah, it's very interesting. There are so many side quests going on that I am slowly convincing myself to replay this game, especially if New Game Plus carries over the weapons. Because there is... I'm pretty sure a, a, it, I, if this... It's like what is it? Uh, there's it's some guy's gun. What is it? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't think so. No. Ah, it's like a Russian guy's name's gun, and uh, it's it's oh, like a Chek- if Chekhov's there's a gun. Chekhov's gun. That's it. Thank yeah. you so much. So Chekhov's gun is uh, if in the first act you have a gun on the mantel place, by the third act you should have used it. Otherwise, right. why is it there? Now there's a there is a a giant beefy man who I'm curious, is this the guy that you killed with the assassin? The giant beefy man? Cause he had like 400 hours left on my game. I don't think so. I think the person I killed was like a random towns person that like just oh. didn't own a shop or anything. Like I, I picked them specifically because they had a ton of hours left and they were not a merchant. And I was like, sorry, but you have, no utility for me. <laughs> I need your time. <laughs> That's so dark. <laughs> but uh, the so there is a very small, dainty, obviously feminine bot, and then there's a giant, like enormous bot. That's like I have to go. There's no one else who's gonna go. I've got to go to this place. And then right. the woman's like, "No, please don't." And then oh, he's like, right. "I the have couple. to go." Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I have no idea what happens after that. Like I saw that exchange. And I was like, that's cool. And I ran off like, and just on yeah. my own quest. I am already on a quest. So I found them and I actually found a couple of those things later in the game. Like one of them is trapped somewhere and you have to let them out. I think it's the big one. And then they go to, to meet up and I just like never found where they are. Cause on the contacts list in the menu, it'll tell you their location. But for them, it was just question marks. And yeah. at that point in the game, I was like, I'm not going through this whole game trying to find them. I hope they're happy wherever they're at. <laughs> I think I completed it to the point where they are going to like reunite. Um, but I never saw what happens when they do. But with the fairy one. That's very interesting. Yeah, I did make it into like the fairy bot lab. I saw the, I think the the creator of the fairies was dead. Yeah. And, oh, I think I got there too late for the fairy bot's uh, sibling. I think they had died because I got there too late or something like that. Because when I, or maybe oh, that's, that's just the way it point. is in the story. Yeah, I didn't even make that connection. I just thought it, I was like, oh, this is just how the story is. It, it might but be. It, it might I didn't be, even consider. But, 
in my head, I thought like either I got there too late because it was very late in the game for me, or it again, it was just like, that's the way the story goes. Um, but uh, at the end, your little fairy bot decides it's going to start making other fairy bots uh, to kind of, you know, have some more friends and stuff like that. And I, again, that fairy bot's so cool and so like nice and helpful. Like by the end, I was very much like, yes, I want you to be happy, fairy bot. You know, what's interesting is that there's an achievement in the game for beating the game without rescuing that bot from the rebel. Ah, that's me. For just walking past. <laughs> it's very dark. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple dark situations. <laughs> you yeah, I was going to say, they, they've uh, gotten creative with the trophies or the achievements on there. I played on Switch, so I didn't see any. Uh, actually, you get achievement pop-ups on switch even but like switch doesn't have Mm. achievements so it's you can't go like look at the list but you do get little pop-ups every time you do something so that's kind of cool i'm like oh i did something cool i i think i think most devs do that because um it makes it easier to find like it makes it easier to program the trigger points because as far as i'm aware to program achievements and trophies all you have to do is just find a trigger point and if you made a trigger point to pop up a little icon that is like an, yeah. a very obvious trigger like that that is that that is that, that, is that. and then you can just yeah. go down the line for every single platform super easy mm-hmm. Which is very, because that pops up on the Xbox as well. It would pop up on the Xbox, and then like 30 seconds later, I'd get an achievement. Okay. And I'm <laughs> okay, like oh, you, I, I love trophies and achievements. I don't go like platinum hunting on PlayStation, but I do love getting trophies. And so that's yep. one of the things where I'm like, I miss it on Switch. I wish Switch had some kind of achievement system, because I, I really, I'm just, my brain is... Very, it's very like lizard brain. Like that achievement pops up, yeah. and I'm like, "Good job, Dave!" But I love it. I and I understand that they're meaningless, and I still love them. It's very yata desune. Ah, feel good. <laughs> but it's like, um, yeah, I can't, I can't help it, man. Even even on the PlayStation ecosystem, I get, I get wild about it. Like I killed, I killed myself replaying Uncharted one and two on the hardest difficulty. Oh my! God. It was not. It was not a good time, especially no, one. I can imagine. One is so. Yeah. I hate one now. I used to think about it fondly. I hate it. Until trying <laughs> to get the platinum. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even get the platinum. I just wanted to be. I just wanted the achievement uh, or the trophy for it. Hardest difficulty, whatever. But. Oh, uh, geez. I play, I play Uncharted games on easy. That's. And so, like, I can only imagine how painful those were. Yeah, it's like, it's those, so I keep trying, I'm so used to Gears of War, I played so much Gears of War, I'm kind of an Xbox junkie, our whole podcast is kind of Xbox, uh, you know, aimed, so I mean, unfortunately, right. but <laughs> I know that's not popular, but um, in Gears of War, you can do a thing called corner peeking, where you, you use the camera, you can see around the corner, and then when you aim, you manipulate the camera, the the motion of the camera, so that you can shoot people before they kind of can see you. And mm-hmm. that doesn't work in multiplayer at all. You'll get obliterated. But uh, in single player, it's really helpful on harder difficulties to kind of stay alive uh, because in cover, sometimes you can get shot. But in Uncharted, at any point, if you can see an enemy, then that enemy can see you and you can get shot. And so right. you're constant, even if you're com- your body is completely in cover. This is in all four Uncharted games. 
it was never fixed. This is always how it is. If mm-hmm. your whole body's behind a wall, if you could see an enemy in the corner because of the camera, the enemy can shoot the camera and then it hurts you. And on the hardest difficulty, that is the most insane shit. <laughs> it's so yep. bad. That is exactly why I play Uncharted games on easy. All five of them I played on easy. So highly recommend. Well, man, we are uh, not even talking about unsighted anymore. So um, <laughs> <laughs> is there is there anything else uh, left in the spoiler section that you want to uh, you want to chat about before we say goodbye for today? Mm, yeah, I don't think so. I think we covered almost everything. We, yeah, we went I, pretty I so. deep. We went really deep on this game. We got the stuff I wanted to talk about for sure. And there's for a game that is as for a genre that definitely doesn't always go into deep kind of like moral choice situations. This game hits a couple of those moments that were definitely worth talking about. So um, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you had a couple of those moments yourself. And I'm glad that we both had some kind of different situations that we can bounce off of each other in this spoiler section, especially at the end when, you know, I killed the unsighted NPCs as like a service to society and you left them alone. And then my decision came back to bite me at the end. And that's a kind of cool thing. It's really interesting. Cause it kind of like, look, it's like, it's an interesting insight into how our brains work a little bit, like at a very, yeah. at a very low resolution level. But like, it's like you were like, you felt, you took responsibility for the fact that these characters went unsighted and I decided that it's not my, it's not my problem <laughs> and I yeah. let them go. And the fact that I was like, it's not my problem ended up being good because we found the cure to the zombie virus. Exactly. It's, right. Right. It wasn't even my intention. I was just like, I, this person's going to die. I'm just going to clean my hands of it. It's not my right. problem. Whereas everyone's everyone's kind of like, oh, it's it's glad that everyone came back to life, and I'm I'm just kind of sitting there like doing this <laughs> doing like this scared side eye thing, like, oh yeah, it is good that probably maybe shouldn't have killed the blacksmith. Uh, whoops. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, Nave, thanks so much for uh, for coming on the show. This has been a blast. Um, this has been a good game for us to talk about since we did have some different experiences in some areas so i've enjoyed talking to you again thank you so much for coming on it was awesome yeah it especially the differences that's probably the best i i was not sure how it was going to go but especially with these wildly different experiences with like even the combat the minutia of like the character interactions yeah awesome yeah it's been good for me good for me to uh see some ways that I thought I really like, I thought this game was this way. And then it turns out it's not because uh, it was not that way for you. So that's a good experience uh, for me too. Cause I, I really thought I had this game pegged as something that turns out it's not. Uh, so very cool. So again, everybody who has listened this far, thank you for listening. And um, if you want to help out Tales from the Backlog again, subscribe ratings and reviews, join the discord, all of that stuff links down in the show notes and also last but not least check out the gaming together podcast um, with nave and philip they are very entertaining it's a good time listening to the show and especially uh, for people like me who just have such a hard time finding the time and like the lining up schedules to play games co-op hearing about co-op experiences and hearing about again like 
I just thought it was so cool how you guys did that Pokemon Nuzlocke thing and turned that into a co-op experience. Hearing how you guys do that, it's a really good show. I like it a lot. So everyone check that out and stay tuned. Uh, Come back next week for the next game that comes out of the backlog.